Hey Texateers, thanks again for stopping by. If you're new to the channel, my name is Riley and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. And today I'm joined by Dane and Tiffany Nielsen. Dane and Tiffany started waking up from their Jehovah's Witness indoctrination just this year, in the beginning of this year, um, after questioning some of the things they were raised to believe. And they eventually disassociated formally from the organization in July. This is their story. Hi, Dane and Tiffany, how are you doing? Doing good. Great. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview with me. I'm excited to be here. So I first stumbled across the two of you on TikTok, which I've only just recently joined in the past uh, two weeks or so. And um, yeah, I stumbled across your videos um, first, Tiffany, and I found them really, really um, engaging and uh, very informative as well. And um, yeah, we've been communicating a little bit on TikTok, so I thought it would be great to reach out to you to see if you'd be interested in an interview. So excited to be here. Thank you. And it's the first time that I've really been able to share my voice. So it's been a really great experience so far. Great. And I know I've really immensely enjoyed um, hearing about your journey and, uh, you, you know, your, your path out of the organization and your experiences. So please tell us a little bit about um, yourselves. How did you both come to be Jehovah's Witnesses? We were both born in. Um, my grandparents were witnesses or even great grandparents. So yeah, I guess I'm, wait, it's a fourth generation now. Yeah. So I'm a fourth generation witness and my two sisters left when they were younger, but I stayed and I'm 24 right now. So I just disassociated this year. Wow. And what about yourself, Dan? Um, my mom started studying when she was uh, pregnant with my brother. So I was I was about one when my mom joined the truth. Sorry, that's a hard habit to break. I know. Um, <laughs> I still say that. I, I remind myself not to say that. My mom joined the organization uh, when I was one and my brother wasn't born yet. So technically I had one birthday. Um, and then my dad was, uh, was not a believer, uh, until my sister was born, uh, which was about 18 years ago. Um, so he, then he started studying, uh, he and I got baptized on the same day when I was about 16, I was almost 16. So I was only 15 when I got baptized. Um, but so I don't, I don't have the I don't have the lineage, you know, the uh, uh, the the dynasty of <laughs> uh, of people being involved uh, with the organization. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, my parents became very involved, um, particularly in my teenage years. Right. So, what was your life like growing up as a Jehovah's Witness? How did you find that? Do you want me to go first on yeah, this that, one? Because I think yours is, yours is much more loaded. Yeah. Um, so uh, my childhood growing up, uh, as, you know, as a witness, uh, I had siblings. My mom was sort of the, the spiritual head of our family for years. So um, that was sort of an interesting thing where my, uh, my dad had his, you know, uh, worldly family. Uh, 
that would kind of pull him in one direction and just, you know, sort of, uh, you know, wish that the kids would be involved with, you know, Christmas or, or, or whatever else, because that was a big holiday for them. Uh, but then there was always my mom to kind of like make sure to kind of protect us from that stuff. So I, I did have a very uh, shielded uh, childhood. My mom went so far as to when we did get into school, she uh, specifically sought out schools where she could um, be involved. So sort of parent partnership schooling programs. So uh, it wasn't that, that I was necessarily like schooled at home, but I definitely wasn't exposed to public schooling, uh, you know, in an effort to keep me, you know, protected again from worldly kids. Uh, so, uh, so a lot of, a lot of former witnesses will say, oh, I had a very sheltered childhood. <laughs> I'd say I had a exceptionally sheltered childhood. I was very cut off from, uh, normal kid activities. Yeah. That would be hard as your, your mom's a teacher. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And what about your childhood, Tiffany? Um, I grew up in an abusive household and my father was an elder at one point. And it was kind of this disguise of holiness and spirituality, but really like we were just not happy, you know? Um, and I live with my grandparents who are very devout witnesses. So, I kind of became indoctrinated because they were very monumental times of my life. I think it was from like 11 to 14. So I was very moldable at that time. And, um, and then I got baptized at 18. All right. I'm sorry to hear that you, you know, you had a, such a, a difficult childhood. Um, yeah. Did, did the fact that you were witnesses add to that difficulty in any way? Did, did it compound the problem? Percent, And there's so much gaslighting that I thought that that was normal and I was the one that was wrong or bad. And um, turns out, you know, I lived in an abusive household and I, I was in a cult, so yeah. When you, when you yeah. deal with those, when you deal with those types of uh, situations, uh, particularly being raised in the organization, you're never taught to seek any type of outside help. Everything is gonna be dealt with, uh, you know, the first line of defense is the family organization. And when you have uh, such a strong uh, patriarchy, uh, sort of misogynistic setup with that, um, especially if you're, if your dad is the abusive one, he's also the first person that gets, that you, would have to talk to about that. So naturally that didn't happen. And then should you ever go to the elders, then it sort of ends up being held, you know, dealt with privately. So at no point do you ever seek out the aid of a therapist or child protective services. Yeah. yeah, it's- I remember when I was younger, I think I was a freshman in high school at this point, or was I? I don't remember. I knew I was, I was in my young teenage years. Um, but it was particularly bad at this season of life, just how abusive it was. And I remember just 
feeling like I needed to talk to somebody. And so I went up to one of the elders that I knew since I was a baby. And I just asked if I could have a Bible study with somebody. And I remember going back to my dad and stepmom and they were really paranoid and being like, what were you talking about with this elder? And they were really scared, but I didn't say anything. I was scared wow. too. Did that impact you in a, in a way that made you feel that you weren't allowed to speak to anyone outside of the family or about any problems that you were having? Definitely. I was very isolated growing up and just didn't have really any adults in my life. Well, actually, I did have some adults and they knew what we were going through, but they could only do so much. Yeah, yeah, of course. So uh, as you got older, how did things get better or did they get worse? It got better when I got married to Dane. I got married at 19. I did the whole witness thing, <laughs> got married in the Kingdom Hall. Um, and being out on my own with Dane was the first time I ever felt at peace and happy. That's really nice to hear. <laughs> And you, it, that means a lot. <laughs> it's obvious that you're still very close, you know, which is, which is a good thing because it often goes the other way, you know, where one partner wakes up and the other one doesn't and invariably they end up separating, which is, which is very sad. It's really nice to see that that hasn't happened in your case. Um, we, we always talked about when we were, uh, when we were dating, uh, the the biggest thing that we had going for us was uh, communication, just being able to talk about stuff and 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 not you know not to get judgmental one way or another, whatever you know the topic was, we would you know hear the other person out, and so I think we carried that into our marriage, and so when because she, she definitely started waking up before I did, I was I was pretty complacent, I was ready to just I was ready to kind of slowly fade away. Uh, but, um, when we started talking, she said, you know, I don't, you know, I want, you, you know, she, she would say things like, I want you to know that if you don't feel the same, you don't have to, don't feel obligated to like follow me out, so to speak. But we would have these conversations. Um, and she really afforded me the chance to prove it to myself, what I believe. And we've come to a point now where, I still ha I still hold to some, I guess you could generally call them agnostic viewpoints. I'm not bothered by the idea of God. Uh, I just don't think that it's what people think it is. Uh, whereas she has a little bit harder lines on that. Uh, but we also are very understanding of each other's viewpoints and we don't try and uh, persuade the other one way or another. We've done enough of that when we were in. <laughs> Uh, that, that's great. Um, I mean, the, the strange thing, well, it's strange to me now um, about Jehovah's Witness marriages is that you're each supposed to think about and love Jehovah more than each other. So from day one, the person you're marrying is not the most important person in your life, which to me now, looking back on it, is just completely bizarre. You know, I, I don't, I, I can't see how any marriages can work under that kind of, <laughs> under that system. You know, obviously some do, but many are very, very unhappy. 
you know, if you don't think about it that much, just yeah. <laughs> so, so where did it all start to go wrong or right, depending on <laughs> how you see it? <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, well, for me, like I said, we started having discussions, and um, I think uh, when she, when when Tiffany started saying that, you know, I, you know, I'm having these doubts. I don't know that I believe, you know, what we've been taught our whole childhood. Um, I came into the conversation not with any preconceived idea. I still had the thought in my head that I was going to try to you know, blend the two thought processes. I thought I was going to try and, you know, still somehow manage to be a witness, but be a little more open-minded. Um, and it, I, and so I came into the conversations trying to be understanding. But what came with that is that is critical thinking. And uh, that has been an interesting thing because I've seen parts recently from, you know, broadcasts on JW Broadcasting and other things like that where they're saying, you know, we encourage your critical thinking, but they don't. <laughs> if we could go back a little bit. Um, so you mentioned that Tiffany was the one who started waking up first. Uh, could you just talk us through that process, Tiffany? What was like the, the, the first thing that happened? was starting to be on TikTok and having different point of views and what spirituality is, what happens after you die. And one of the things that got me thinking and started questioning is why would the organization be so adamant about not looking up anything about the organization? And I feel like that's a red flag in itself. And um, I took the first step with researching and being on the XJW Reddit and um, I'm trying to think of other ones, JW Facts. And within an afternoon, my faith had completely crumbled and I saw that it was not the truth. And, and what was that experience like looking at an apostate website for the very first time? It was definitely scary. I remember being so nervous and because that's what you're told your entire life and everything's a lie. And I quickly realized that, especially on TikTok and Reddit, people are just sharing their experiences. And I feel like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I just didn't see the apostate lies that the govern governing body always talked about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I've, my experience was similar. Um, I, I had a full-on anxiety attack the first time that I looked at an apostate uh, video. It wasn't a website, it was a video on YouTube. I, I literally, I was sweating, my, you know, my hands were shaking, everything. And, the, and I think that's, that's very, very common. I mean, it's something that I've heard over and over again. And it's a symptom of, of, of mind control. It's a symptom of being programmed. It's like you're breaking your programming. Uh, was it like that for you as well, Dane, the first time you looked at an apostate information source? Oh, I will be honest. I didn't have the same reaction to it, I think. And it's possible that it came, is that I, I maybe the blow was softened for me a little bit because it was presented to me uh, by my wife, who I already have, you know, deep, 
you know, abiding trust for, uh, or a trust in. Uh, so, uh, so the other thing is that for me, I think that I, I never had, I never had the strongest faith in uh, the uh, JW doctrines anyway. Um, as, as much as I was an involved brother, you know, I had privileges in the hall and I had, you know, get, would give talks and, and everything. Uh, it's, it sounds bad now. I sound like a bad witness, but I was, it was really, it was just, it was something I did. It wasn't really that, you know, they repeatedly will tell you, uh, you know, when you're in the organization, you know, make the truth your own. And that's great. It's a nice little tagline, but they don't really teach you how to do that. I mean, they, I mean, I think they try, but it, it comes across strange. So I never had that, like, you know, I would die for this information. It just was never that way for me. It was always just, yeah, well, I don't know. My family goes and my friends are here. So, so when I was exposed to these apostate teachings, uh, it was a lot more like, uh, yeah, that's exactly how I grew up. That's, that's normal. It wasn't, <laughs> it was, so. I think that the witnesses that are still in and saw us leave think that we left so that we could go sin or lead lead an immoral lifestyle. And that was not it at all. I feel like learning the truth about the truth was actually one of the most devastating and heartbreaking things. Absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. Um, leaving the, the organization is not easy. It's not easy at all. <laughs> you know, the cost of leaving is so high. It's not something that, you know, I mean, when, when I learned the truth about the truth, I desperately didn't want it to be real. I didn't want it to be true. You know, I, I'd already, I was already physically out of the organization, but I still believed it was the truth. I had no plans of going back, but I still wanted it to be true, <laughs> you know. Um, so because I remember just it's heartbreaking to think your entire life that you're going to see your dead loved ones after you die. And yeah, it's it's a hard realization to come to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there, there's so much. I mean, it's, it's sort of like it's sort of like losing someone that you're close to. You know, you go through all the stages of grief. <laughs> I know, I know I certainly did. I went through them all. I remember when I um, when I found out that Rutherford had written that letter to Hitler in the Declaration of Facts. And that completely shook, shook me to my core. You know, I was at the, the, the huge sense of disappointment <laughs> that I felt, you know, because I, I no longer, I actually found that out after I woke up. I was no longer a believer but I still thought that the witnesses were kind of better than everyone else, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But that's, I think that's part of that. Part of the programming though, is that you are taught that you're not like anyone else. And that has been a big thing about uh, waking up that I've come to realize because a lot of the first uh, religious centric videos that I saw on TikTok were coming from uh, you know, ex evangelicals, uh, and you know, you, uh, when you're, when you're raised, uh, uh, as a witness, you are taught that, uh, you know, our faith is unlike anyone else. And then you start seeing so, so many similarities. Uh, and a lot of the things that we were so proud that we were different over, 
uh, we just not, it wasn't, it wasn't that we were the, that some exclusive club that, uh, you know, we were the only ones who did this. There's a lot of, there's a lot of groups that do this stuff. And so, uh, that's, uh, that's another thing <laughs> where we, you know, we think, oh gosh, these Mormons are crazy. These people at these big tent revivals are crazy. But then when you look at it, you've also got, uh, you know, uh, we also have a door to, we also had a door to door ministry and we also had large gatherings on a regular basis where everybody would get together and, you know, over the course of, you know, uh, three days, just mental and physical exhaustion starts weeping at the end of it. And so it was the spirit. And it was like, no, your kids screamed at you for three days. There are so many similarities between witnesses and other, you know, fringe religious groups. It's, it's, staggering the, the similarities never ever cease to amaze me and i'm finding out more all the time yeah so um what was it like disassociating and and what what made you choose disassociating formally rather than just fading away yeah uh I, I am self-employed uh, meaning i'm my own boss i set my own schedule and part of that was that my dad also is self-employed so we would do jobs together so we were on a particularly long job that we had been working for a while um and my dad had become aware that we were drifting away uh but uh, uh my dad being the way that i don't know most dads are uh we never actually had meaningful conversations while we were working <laughs> uh uh, you know, to be fair, we didn't have a ton of super meaningful conversations. A lot of the time he's, you know, a bit more conservative with his emotional availability. Uh, and so rather than ever, you know, having a conversation with me leading up to this, uh, it wasn't until we had already decided that we're, you know, this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't what we believe anymore. And then it was a few weeks after we had had that conversation and we were still in the mindset that we were going to fade away, which would afford us, you know, the access to, uh, you know, family and friends that we had grown up with, uh, but not necessarily, you know, uh, agreeing with the, the religious teachings. But uh, my dad actually was a little bit there to kind of force my hand as far as that goes. Um, he had become aware that for our fifth anniversary, we got tattoos. We got a matching set of tattoos um, that was sort of, you know, this little, a little promise, something we could do, you know, for each other, you know, and uh, so they had found out about that. Uh, and again, nobody said anything about it. Uh, and it wasn't until just one day on a lunch break, my dad was just like, so what are you like leaving the truth? Uh, and it, you know, in that tone, you know, and so it was, uh, I had a, I had a pretty frank discussion with him, bringing up a lot of things, uh, you know, the, that, you know, bothered me about the teachings and how we had, you know, kind of decided that it wasn't really for us anymore. Uh, and then at the end of the discussion, rather than him really taking to heart anything that I had said, he went, he says, basically said, you yeah. know you know, you, you gotta do something, you know, you can't, you can't just sit here and have this double life going on. And, you know, and I do really value honesty. So in that sense, I just said, you know what, you're right. And I went home and I said, you know, I don't think I can fade. Uh, I don't see myself 
suddenly becoming okay with a lot of the teachings that they have going on. But uh, you know, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back, and I don't want to I don't want to lie to people and pretend that I am something I'm not. So we decided we were gonna write our letters, uh, and that was and that was was a frightening thing. It was a frightening thing um, to do. Uh, and that's, you know, that, that's, that's telling that's, it's telling you shouldn't, you shouldn't be afraid to tell people what you believe. Um, and so, yeah, for me, for me, I was not, I was not in the mindset. I was not in the mindset to write the letter, but then when my hand was forced, it was a little more like, yeah, no, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm glad it happened because I probably would have lukewarmed my way out uh, as opposed to just, you know, turning on the cold water and waking up. <laughs> and how did the experience feel for you, Tiffany? What was it like? Is that if we were to fade, we would be walking on eggshells and looking behind our backs for the rest of our life with the possibility of still getting disfellowshipped anyway. And so, it was rationalized to me that it would make more sense to just have a clean break and move on with our lives. And for our kids to never remember what it was like to step into a kingdom hall. And I'm really glad that we decided to do that because uh, the last several months that we've been out, we've probably been the happiest that we've ever been in our lives. I mean, there's a lot of grief there still, but it's, uh, we can question our own beliefs now. And I think that's very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. So um, are you currently being shunned by friends and family? Do you want to go? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, so uh, I definitely, I, I did not have a backup a group of friends, uh, being that I was such a, you know, I, I was a, I was a sheltered witness kid. I didn't have, you know, oh, this friend from school or, oh, this guy from work, because again, I only worked with witnesses. All my friends were witnesses. My family are all witnesses. Well, not all of my family is witnesses. I've got some that, uh, live in like Texas <laughs> that are, uh, not witnesses, but also not the type of people to be like, anytime, come down. They would say that, but it would also be like, ooh, hold, hold the phone. Um, <laughs> so for me, uh, being excommunicated means, uh, yeah, I don't have a friend group. I don't have, uh, I don't have uh, my family around me. Um, my uh, brother got married in uh, August. Was it August? I lost track. Yeah, my brother got married a few weeks after we formally disassociated, uh, and I was uninvited to his wedding. Uh, but he did do me the courtesy of offering me a Zoom link to watch, uh, which I, you know, did. But uh, you know, it's it's a little frustrating because the wedding took place at the house belonging to a worldly family member. Uh, many of our worldly family members were invited uh, to the wedding, but not me. But not me because I was the bad one. So, um, so that was 
you know, that hurts. My brother was one of my best friends. Uh, and just to kind of see that all take that back seat, um, you know, you already mentioned how when you're raised in the organization that uh, you are, uh, your relationship with Jehovah goes before everything else. And that includes spouses and children and immediate family members. So yeah, uh, yes, uh, yes, I'm shunned because other pe because my family loves <laughs> loves something else more than me. <laughs> I'm gonna go cry now. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's one of those situations where if you don't laugh, you will cry. Yeah. I have I have many many of those moments myself. Yeah. Well, what about you, Tiffany? I live with another family for part of my life. Um, growing up who were witnesses and they when I I sent a group message to them because oh, sorry I'm going off on a tangent they didn't even reply to my message that I was disassociating so it's just really strange and even my best friends were talking to me up until I told them that I was leaving and I was mentally out the entire time i've been the same person the entire time but because there i handed in a letter somehow i'm different i know what you're saying because i also had i had friends uh that uh were messaging me uh you know posing to me the idea of trying inactivity as opposed to outright disassociation like that was going to be a better call uh, and so that was, so I also had those moments where it was like, how do you think that this is better? If it's supposed to be wholehearted, you're recommending that I half-ass my faith so that we can still be friends? That's, that's nonsense. So now that you're, you're both disassociated, um, you mentioned that you're, since you disassociated, you're the happiest that you've ever been. What kind of new things has brought happiness to your life? I think it's just the freedom of mind is the biggest thing. Being able to choose and be an active participant in our own lives instead of just blindly following uh, what eight guys in New York tell us to do. So, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's a degree of uh, self-awareness that has come with this um that we didn't think about because when you're when you're in the organization you don't really think about yourself and what you and what you want and what you what you really believe because anything that you want that's outside of the organization is sin anything that you believe outside of what they teach is apostasy so you know we we now have you know open discussions about um you know you know uh, on a spiritual level we talk about things like you know uh energies in the universe and what we think might happen when we die but then we also are able to freely and openly have conversations about um you know uh sexuality and morality and finding you know what is a real practical purpose for these things that aren't necessarily dictated by a book so yeah the freedom of mind like she said there's there's a little more um you, you can be a more real version of yourself mm -hmm. absolutely i mean i found that too 
Yeah. You, you raised an interesting point. You said that anything you might want outside of the organization is considered to be sinful. I absolutely found that myself as well. Not necessarily sinful in my case, but selfish. If you wanted anything that wasn't in line with the organization's goals, then it was selfish and you shouldn't want it. And I found that extremely frustrating and confining, you know, especially towards the end of my, um, what's the word? Towards the end of my being a witness. <laughs> Yeah. career i don't know what you would say it, it, it really seems that way we've we've had a lot of conversations about how the organization particularly for those who are raised in it you're not raised to be a functional person you're raised to be a good witness which means that now you know now i'm out i'm 30 years old so i'm not i'm not you know i'm still pretty young and yet i also uh I can't remember the last time I needed to go get a job where I didn't talk to a brother to get that job. Housing, uh, we are currently renting from people who are witnesses. Uh, we, you know, there's just, you, you don't have to be good at being an adult when you're a witness because there's so many people around. And I'm all for the communal, for taking care of people in a communal nature, but, uh, you know, I also want my kids to, you know, <laughs> I want my kids to be able to be self-sufficient, you know, whereas I'm basically, I'm 30 and I feel like I'm a 17-year-old learning how to, you know, uh, just m you know, manage my money, uh, you know, in an effective way or find housing in an effective way because when you're in, you constantly have this fallback you know you can you can mess yourself up so terribly financially and there will be some some couple that's like ah we got a mother-in-law house out back don't even worry about it you get you know you're doing such good work at the at the con at the meetings just take your time and so there's not that that's inherently bad but you also never land on your own feet you know if that if that makes sense sort of I don't know. I have a hard time making friends. I, I will go out and I'm going to get a beer and I look around at all of these strangers and I know that I don't have anything in common with anybody. So, all right, guys, I'm going to. I think I think that's a witness mindset, though, is the yeah. us versus them mentality. That's yeah. that's a big thing that we have to get over when we leave. Absolutely. I mean, what you said, Dane, is. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit older than you, and I feel exactly the same way. There are days when I wake up and I don't feel like an adult. You know, I've no. I've, I've got adult children, and I don't feel like an adult. You know, yeah. You know, so yeah. I mean, that's the nature of the organisation, and not just the Jehovah's Witness organisation, but high control groups and cults in general. They infantilise their members as a way of keeping them dependent. Yeah, uh, and that's you know, that really is, uh, cause I've been listening to a lot of, uh, I've been listening to a lot of these various podcasts that do talk about other cults. And it is so funny because I remember us laughing about this stuff when I was in, you know, just like, oh, how crazy must people be to believe in Scientology? And then you find out that a lot of their ideas and teachings really just totally line up with what we were taught. And it's just kind of like, oh, and it, <laughs> um, when you're, when your mind is, awake to these things you do see 
how you know how outrageous this stuff is and it really is designed to keep you dependent you know and it just depends what you're dependent on when <laughs> depending on which group you were a part of yeah yeah exactly actually I'll, I'll tell you a funny story i was on a reddit not too long ago and i was reading this post and it was um from a, a pimo guy his wife was still like full pimi like uber jw <laughs> Yeah. But he's gradually trying to wake her up. So um, he got her to watch a documentary on cults. I think it was the Leah Remini Scientology one. Or yeah. It might have been that or it could have been another one. But whichever one it was, it spoke about the bike model. And his wife said to him, isn't Satan clever? He he made them formulate the bike model so that it would also apply to witnesses. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yep. That's so cringy now. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I, I really laughed when I read that. <laughs> Satan has no, nothing to do with it. It applies to witnesses because witnesses are a high control group and a cult. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. So, like, we had talked about how she woke up before me. So, I was still very much mentally in this sort of like, no, no, they're good people. They're just misguided or, or, or what have you. So, I was very hesitant to embrace the term, you know, cult as far as that goes. Uh, but it's really hard when it's really hard to keep resisting that when you start looking at the definitions of cult and i know that there i know that there's a big thing where they're like well there's no one uniform blanket you know test for whether or not something is a cult so when you start looking at the different ones <laughs> back to back and you realize okay it checks all the boxes on this one but it also checks all the boxes on this one and it also checks all the boxes on this one if it looks like a cult and it smells like a cult it's a cult <laughs> Also, if it's similar to all the other cults <laughs> as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't believe that an alien spaceship following a, uh, you know, a, a comet was going to pick us up and take us to, you know, some, you know, extra dimensional plane and, and whatever. But we just had our cult stuff very Bible based. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. And everything's normalized. Everything's normalized. It's just this is what it is. So, um, Tiffany, tell us about um, your TikTok videos. What what got, what motivated you to start making your own after you saw the the ones that you uh, were first introduced to? Thing is that I never thought I would be talking about this publicly, let alone online. And when I first started making videos about my experiences as a witness it really resonated with people and it helped people out. And now I'm on a roll, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my goal is to provide support and help for people who are questioning or people that just need a community once they leave. Yeah, that's, that's a really admirable um, goal. <laughs> and although I've been wake, woken up for a, not that very long, just, you know, just a little bit longer than you, but your videos have resonated with me in a very, very profound way as well. You know, I, I watched your videos for a while before I started making my own on TikTok. So in, in some part, I'm, I have you to thank for that. It means so much to me. Thank you. So what, what plans do you have for the future in terms of um, putting 
recovering from your JW experience and putting the trauma of it behind you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, naturally, uh, you know, we we never celebrated any holidays or anything. Uh, So uh, like I had mentioned, my son's birthday is coming up next month. And so we are planning on doing our first foray into celebrating a birthday uh, as far as that goes. Probably going to keep it small. Um, but you know, um, try and make it uh, fun and meaningful, and realize that uh, nobody's going to get beheaded and have their head served to a pharaoh. Or I can't remember exactly what the Bible story was, that where they were like, "And that's why you don't do birthdays." Um, so we're going to try and do that. Uh, we've got Halloween coming up, so uh, I'm I I think we're going to try and do some costumes and stuff, and try and have fun, and all of these things that were such big no nos. Um, you know, we're out recently, so we're going to try, we're, we're, we're going to try this stuff. You know, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm 30. I've been set in my ways for a long time. So I have a feeling that I uh, will probably try and like, oh, no, thank you when my birthday comes around. But, uh, <laughs> but maybe it'll soften the blow celebrating for my son because it's not, you know, it, it's realizing that it's not a, it's not a pagan tradition. It's me celebrating my son. And uh, I, I love him so much, and I, I I want him to know that he's special and that he's important, uh, and that we can spend a day doing what he wants to do. Um, and so those are little things. Um, and continuing to build a community is another thing. Uh, it has been really fun interacting with some of the people on TikTok. I recently joined Reddit. Have not been posting anything yet, but um, uh, I am on there seeing things, and that's that's pretty interesting. Um, we were able to uh, sit down uh, with a couple of other, uh, with that group. We lost power. No, it was great. We had a great video call with a bunch of uh, people uh, who are referring to themselves as the apostate coalition. The apostate coalition. <laughs> yeah. So we, we met with them and there's, and they're, you know, they're, they're such nice people and everybody is in their own spot. And that's what's so much fun is realizing some people are still so physically in but mentally out and they're so scared to get away from that. We've got some people who are, you know, uh, vehement in there, just like, we are going to tear them down. Uh, And to see all of them simultaneously in the same place, just saying, hey, you're not alone, uh, has been uh, very interesting. Um, So the recovery process for us has just, just begun. and so it's a lot. It's it's it, there's a lot in front of us. Yeah, there are there are therapists that specialize in religious trauma, and so I feel like all of us need to go because that's a unique experience that I think a lot of therapists are not well versed in. Um, but it's also been very healing to have this community of XJW and ex-Mormon and even ex-Scientologists. So yeah, it's been a really great community that we've met absolutely that's really great i was i was actually supposed to be on that zoom call with the apostate coalition but i something came up and i wasn't able to make it but i'm definitely coming to the next one <laughs> we were all having a good time but we were in the middle of a storm like a windstorm where we were at not quite you know nothing like nothing you know gale force or, or you know it wasn't a hurricane or anything but the wind was just enough that um out where we're at we've got some kind of older infrastructure and so when the wind blows it knocks a branch down and it hits the power lines and we just lost all power so we were right in the middle of uh we 
<laughs> I was making a joke about uh, the concept of Noah's Ark being outrageous. Uh, and as soon as I started making jokes about it, the power went out and we're like, oh, oh Jehovah's mad at us. <laughs> Actually, that's, that, that's an interesting point because um, when I was like just waking up, I'd go through diff difficult experiences just like, I mean, things that are normal to, to quote-unquote worldly people, things they've experienced their whole life. But when you're an XJW who's recently woken up, when these bad things happen, I kind of felt like this was like Jehovah punishing me. Did you go through anything like that? Yeah. We're we're kind of new. We're, we're a little bit newer to this. And so part of the... Uh, Part of the sort of, you know, grieving process, I think, is maybe a little bit in the uh, denial phase. So for me, like, for me, I'm looking at things, like, from a very logical standpoint. Um, and I, maybe I, I don't know, maybe it's because I didn't have the strongest faith when we left. But um, for me, all of the, the bad things have all been done by the people that we were associating with. And it had absolutely nothing to do with God. Um, which is maybe a little bit why I still am open to the idea of God, because I don't think that God, I don't think that God thinks the way that witnesses do. So, um, <laughs> so for me, I don't think God's mad at me in any way. I think, I think God's, if God's out there, he's got his own stuff going on <laughs> and it's, I, I don't think, I don't think he's mad at me. I don't think he's, I don't think he caused a storm for us to lose power. And if anything, I have seen good things come from it. That fear that you mentioned is so valid. To me, it doesn't feel that way, but I think to people who are still in, they see it that way. And so there's this pressure inside of me that has to prove that my life is amazing now. And But I've come to this realization that good things and bad things happen whether you are in or you're out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's just the reality of life. That's just that's a fact. You know, good and bad things happen to witnesses and non-witnesses alike. But the narrative that witnesses are always constantly, constantly pushing is that once you leave Jehovah, that's it. You're going to end up in prison, on drugs or dead. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. yeah. the world will chew you up and spit you out is a phrase that I've been that I've heard ever since I was a kid. Yeah. And to be fair, the world will chew us up and spit us out because we were raised witnesses and we weren't prepared for anything in the world. We were, it's just, you're just designed to go to meeting. And so the world chewing you up and spitting you out is because you walk into the world so naive to everything uh, that happens. Um, I, I know I think about, uh, I think about, you know, for example, a, a thing that maybe was a primer for me leaving was uh, in uh, in the states, we had uh, the protests when uh, George Floyd was murdered, uh, and I know that witnesses are so actively against getting involved with any social justice ideals, uh, and that didn't sit right with me because you know the witnesses paint the picture of a better world, but are unwilling to work for it. The idea is exclusively that God is going to fix this stuff. You got problems with racism? Don't worry. Jehovah's going to take care of that. 
We don't have to do anything. And that bugs me because we're seeing real world problems, but we won't lift a finger to do this. If you, yeah, if you have any feelings that are that way, they're just like, pray about it, you know, go out and service, put the work in, you know, and it's, it has, yeah. I remember seeing something that said, if you choose to not do anything, you're siding with the oppressor. And that just spoke volumes to me. And I felt like I cannot just sit back and do nothing. But we did because we were right here. Yeah. It's shameful. I feel exactly, exactly the same way. When I realized that what we were taught was just not real and you can't just sit back and say, Jehovah's going to sort this out in Armageddon. I felt a huge sense of responsibility to contribute in some way to, you know, the world in general, you know, and now I'm a bit further along from that. Now, now I, I see the witnesses stance on getting involved in these things as like freeloading, you know, it's like benefiting from this Satan's wicked system, but not doing anything to contribute positively to it. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah. And, and, and again, it's all part of their doctrine and the idea that, you know, the world isn't going to be here this much longer. So why, you know, why try and make this world a better place, which it's just kind of, you know, it's, it, it it's frustrating because I feel like, especially due to, you know, COVID and us having access to the internet. There's so much, there's so many things that, you know, we're watching the world burn down around us and we need to actively-work to fix it rather than sit back and watch it happen and be like, ha, I told you so. Uh, exactly, you're exactly right. That's pretty much what witnesses say. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> I remember um, being at the Kingdom Hall once and a circuit overseer um, was, was visiting. He was a really nice circuit overseer, actually. He, he was one of the ones that I remember most fondly. Really nice guy. Um, but he was giving a talk and he was talking about the, the signs that we're going to see in the sky just before Armageddon. And he was saying that he hopes that one of the signs is like big letters in the sky saying, Jehovah's Witnesses were right. <laughs> that was- <laughs> That's one of the things that, that he was waiting for. <laughs> you can dream. You can dream anything you want. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Well, and that's actually oh god, boy the the uh, the delusions of their own personal validation right there. Um, see, and that and that one of the big things that woke me up is sort of that they do is that witnesses have this idea that. You are going to, what's that? Oh, nothing. Okay, sorry. Witnesses have this idea uh, that everything word for word that is written down in the Bible is the stuff that's 100% going to come true and that we need to follow 100% what the Bible says, you know, down to the letter. And I ended up, one of the things that woke me up is the realization that either A, the Bible is something we need to follow word for word and there is no way we got our translation right. Like just realistically, there's no way that the translation is right. We're talking about thousands of years of difference between a dead language that was written then and you know us trying to figure it out now. So if it's something we're supposed to follow word for word, we're already failing. Or B, 
it's a book about morality that you're supposed to take for its core principles and apply that in your life. And then the witnesses are already applying it wrong. Uh, so it kind of, it became this thing where it's a lose-lose situation for it was in my mind anyway, it was a lose-lose situation to stay in because my idea of what the Bible is, is not going to line up with what they're teaching. And so it's just, there's no way that staying in was going to benefit me beyond social status. So I'll totally get that. Totally get that. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to both of you. And I'm so pleased to hear that you're both really, really happy. The happiest you've ever been to use your own, your own words. It really warms my heart to see that and hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for talking to us, uh, and uh, I'm always excited to see your next TikTok, and I'm gonna follow your YouTube channel, and I'll get on there, and and uh, it's uh, this has been a really fun conversation. Absolutely, thank you. I've enjoyed it immensely. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Thanks for joining me, and thank you viewers for joining us too. If you haven't already done so, please click the like button and subscribe to the channel with notifications so that you're notified of all my future uploads and also follow me on my brand new TikTok account and I'll leave a uh, link in the description below so you can do that. Please proceed to the Jexit in an orderly fashion and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching to the very end of the video. If you haven't already done so, please like, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. If you like my work and want to help me continue doing it, please support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Jexit underscore 2020. And with that, I'd like to sincerely thank these very special patrons who make these videos possible.